0: morning, everyone. <clears throat> hey, great to see you all here today. All right, how many of you ever heard of an old rock group called Three Dog Night? Okay, yeah, I love Three Dog Night, man. If you're under 40 and you did to cheer right there, you need to go uh, check that out. The way they got their name was uh, from like living up in the Yukon, um, not that, these, that they did, but people who live up in the tundra areas, uh, gauge how cold a winter night is by how many husky dogs you have to snuggle in with to stay warm that night. Okay, you get that? Like there would be a one dog night, that, or a no dog night would be balmy. A one-dog night, you need one dog to stay warm. Two-dog night, you need two dogs nestled up with you to stay warm. A three-dog night is really, really bad. And it takes three big dogs sleeping right there with you for you to stay warm all night, okay? All right. Now, I came into today just with this suspicion that this was a two-joke Sunday. (laughs) Anybody agree with me? Okay, it just seems like it to me, a two-joke Sunday. All right, so the very first one is this. There was this uh, monk who joined a monastery and he took a vow of silence. And he was going to only be allowed to say two words every 7 years. So he's there for 7 years, doesn't speak a word. At the end of the 7 years, he's taken in before the the, the head guys and they want to hear his two words and he said cold floors. Okay so he goes back another 7 years 7 years later he appears before the the committee again and at this point he says bad food Okay so now he goes back for another 7 years and he's totally silent and he comes back after these these final 7 years and his two words were I quit yeah. Now the the head of the committee said well that 's no surprise to us you 've done nothing but complain since the moment you got here <laughs> come on that 's a good joke, folks, yeah, yeah, all right all right all right here 's the second one. There was a couple that uh, were, on their wedding day, uh, they had an accident, and they both died, and so they didn 't get to go through their wedding ceremony they didn 't get married, and they show up at heaven." And they say to Peter at the gates, they said, well, Peter, this was our wedding day. We're just brokenhearted that we didn't get to go through with our wedding ceremony. Could we please get married here? And he said, well, okay, I'll see what I can do. So it's a full six months before Peter comes back with a preacher and says, okay, uh, you can get married now. And so they go through the wedding ceremony and everything's happy and great. And then a few years go by and this couple's not doing so well together and um, they come back to Peter and they say, Peter, we're, just, we're not getting along. Uh, can, can we get a divorce? And Peter, he's frustrated and he says to them, listen, he said, it took me six months to find a preacher up here. How long do you think it's gonna take me to find a lawyer? <laughs> Isn't that good? Yeah. Any lawyers in the house, yeah. I know there are preachers here, so. All right. Well, now, just, just in case there's somebody here that is thinking, okay, I, now I know if they get divorces in heaven, it's okay for me to get divorced. That you don't get divorces in heaven, all right? And, uh, and not getting along is not a good reason to divorce your spouse. Um, it is a good reason to really to submit to the Holy Spirit more. It's really a good reason to learn how to forgive. It's a good le- reason to learn how to be patient, how to give grace and kindness, and, and how, how, how just to humble yourself and, and give up all the offenses that, that you may have collected over the years and restore the relationship. What we're going to talk about today is someone who restores Relationships. He is someone who blesses us, who enables us to be more like Jesus, and that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we've, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit the last uh, couple of weeks. If you were here for the first message... Sarah Anderson, our children's uh, pastor, did a fa- just a fantastic job talking about who the Holy Spirit is, that he is a member of the Trinity. And, and she painted this beautiful picture for us, even showed us a, um, a graphic on the screen of the Father, Son, and Spirit in this dance of unity. Between them, that the Father, Son and Spirit are three, but they are one in, in, in just this beautiful unity. And she told us actually, that we should picture ourselves right in the middle of that, with the Trinity, Father, Son and Spirit dancing around us. And the effect of that was we wanted everyone to know the Holy Spirit is God. He is God. He is a full member of the Trinity. He's as much God as God the Father is. He's as much God as Jesus is. And so the, the Holy Spirit uh, being God ha, has this incredible ministry in our lives and last week we saw that, that one of the foundational things he does is to teach us. He's the teacher. And, and so he comes and he opens our minds so that we can see truth, so that we can understand truth and embrace truth. And, and as he does that, he enables us to become more like Jesus. Because what he does is he shows us more of Jesus. He reveals Jesus to us. And the way God has designed the universe, there's this foundational law that when we see Jesus, we become like him. And that's because if I've accepted Jesus as my Savior, then he is in me. And when I received him as my Savior, he changed my heart, and he gave me a kingdom heart. He gave me a kingdom of heaven heart. So that when I see Jesus, who is the ultimate figure who represents heaven, my heart vibrates when I see him. When I see him, there's just something inside of me that just begins to just vibrate, and and it releases God's grace in me to become more like him. That's just the way it is. In fact, the Bible says... When he returns we 're going to see him, and we 're going to be like him because we 'll see him as he is, and so it 's seeing Jesus, and that 's the job of the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to us and then and then we change and we become more like him and that 's the most beautiful thing in in, in, in in the world that any of us can experience Well, today, to kind of introduce our message, I, I have this, um, this thing that I was reminded of this week when I was a kid. I grew up along the Allegheny River, which is the major tributary to the Ohio and Pennsylvania in a little town on a hill right beside the river. And uh, every every year when I was a kid, they had boat races. And they weren't like pleasure boats. They weren't like the ski boats that people used all summer long on the river. They brought in the high-powered, high-octane racing boats. Today they call them drag boats, I think they're called drag boats because of drag racing, like drag racing cars and and drag racing boats. But I remember uh, someone telling me at that time that the boats operated on jet fuel. I don't know if that was true or not, but they were so loud you could hear them from a mile away that they were operating on something really incredibly powerful. You know, I looked this up this week, and that's where I learned about drag boats, that they're called drag boats today. But it did say that the fuel they use isn't, isn't gasoline. They, they will run on pure methanol or they will run on nitro mixed with methanol, nitromethane. Now that's an analogy that that is a kind of a parable of the Christian life. When you become a Christian, you can't run on the same fuel you ran on before you became a Christian. You, you need a higher, you need something, not, not a higher octane. You need a different fuel altogether. And that fuels the Holy Spirit. That, that, that the Holy Spirit is the one who energizes our lives. He is the one who produces fruit in our lives. He's the one who empowers us to serve God and opens our eyes so we can see God. And so he, he is the fuel. And every one of us, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, then you need an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. You, in fact, you need a more intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. And and that's because Christianity is relational. It's founded on relational precepts. The whole thing, listen, the grace of God flows through relationship. And what that means is that our faith isn't simply me being convinced intellectually of some abstract truths... Or me knowing the right way to pray so I have this exchange with God where then God gives me what I ask for. Kind of like I, I go to a fast food restaurant and I know what I want. I make my order. I get my food. I pay my bill and I walk out with what I want. A lot of people view God that way. That's not what. That's not how it works. It's relationship. It's like he, he's my in-house chef. He's not my waiter at a fast food restaurant. But, but it's, it's relationship. It's me knowing him and experiencing him. And, and faith and grace come through this whole thing of relationship. And in fact, I'll make this statement, and uh, it's so strong, I want to have it on the screen. If you take all the teachings of Christianity and subtract the relationship component, it all breaks down. Do you know what you have if you take all the teachings of Christianity and you take out relationship, relationship with Jesus, relationship with the Father, the Holy Spirit living in us and relationship with him? What you have then is just a list of rules, and then that makes Christianity nothing other than another dead religion. It, it, it's just a religion then. And so it's relationship that gives it life. And relationship is something... We know we want with Jesus. That's clear. In fact, Jesus said in John fifteen five, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And then he went on to say, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it, is bear, he, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing now abiding in me and, and I abiding in him. That's relationship. That's staying connected. That's growing intimacy with him. And he's saying that's the basis upon which anything good happens in our lives, any fruit that's going to come into our lives or out of our lives is based upon me abiding in him, having close relationship with him. I get that when it comes to Jesus. The apostles, in fact, uh, they got that pretty early on. Uh, There was one time in John chapter 6 where Jesus started out the day with thousands of people following him. Literally thousands are flocking to him. By the end of that day, because of some of the things he preached that offended their religious sensibilities, they all left. When he said some things they didn't understand, they all left. And Jesus turned to the apostles and he asked them this question. He said, "Are you going to leave too?" Now he didn't say that with like a poor woe is me thinking. He's just challenging them. Are you going to leave too? And here's what Peter said. He said, "Where would we go?" He said, You're the only one that has words that give our hearts life. You're the only one that speaks words that give life. And we want to stay in relationship with you because we want these life giving words. We want your life and the words you speak to continue to flow into us and to continue to flow into us. Every day, we want to experience your life giving words. Now, Jesus came to the point that he was about to leave because he knew he was going to die. And he told his apostles, he said, I'm leaving. They panicked. Don't leave. You can't leave. You're the one. You're the one with life giving words. Where, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go if you leave? And Jesus said, wait, wait, chill out. Listen, it's to your advantage that I go away. I can't imagine that they didn't panic even more then because it's like, well, you don't even, you don't even understand us. Jesus. But Jesus said this, it's to your advantage that I go away because of this. In John 14, 16, he said, when I go away, then I'm going to ask the father and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever. All right. Another helper later in the passage, it clearly states that that's the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says in another place, he's with you, but he's going to be in you. The Holy Spirit And he says, When I leave, then not only will the 12 of you get to have me present with you because the Holy Spirit, the second member of the Trinity, is going to come and he's going to be with you, he's going to be in you and with you, but you're going to have him living in you. He's going to be inside of you. And so these men who had walked with Jesus for three years now are, in a sense, being handed off to the Holy Spirit. Now they're going to get to walk with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, when he said, I'll send you another helper, that word another means another one just like me, just like me. So what that tells us is the Holy Spirit, whatever you see in Jesus, that's who the Holy Spirit is. If you're afraid of Jesus, then you should be afraid of the Holy Spirit too. If you're not afraid of Jesus, then you shouldn't be afraid of the Holy Spirit either. If, you, if Jesus is gentle, then the Holy Spirit is gentle. If Jesus is filled with love, then the Holy Spirit's filled with love. If Jesus gently and lovingly confronted people and, and helped them to grow, then that's how the Holy Spirit does it too. He's another helper, just like Jesus. And get this, he is a person. He is a per- he's not a force. He's not just a power force. Or, or a, 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 some mystical, magical power. He is a person. In, in fact, in Galatians, the Apostle Paul said that we are to walk, and most of the translations say, walk in the Spirit. But you know that the, uh, the word in in the Greek text can mean with just as easily as in. And so, how about if what Peter really meant was walk with the Spirit? Yeah, you know, you've been walking with Jesus, apostles, for these three years. Now you're going to get to walk with the Spirit. And just like Jesus walked beside you, just like he spoke words of life into your hearts, just like he showed you where to go and what to do, now Holy Spirit is going to be there right beside you, walking with you, instructing you, comforting you, encouraging you, giving you words of life constantly, feeding your heart and your soul. We have to understand this. So that we can understand what it is to relate to the Holy Spirit. So that we can understand the work he wants to do in our lives. Uh, He he is a person. He has a will. The Bible says that uh, the Holy Spirit distributes spiritual gifts to us as he wills. So he has a will. He speaks. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit spoke. and And he spoke words to people. He speaks to us. And in addition to all of that, the Holy Spirit experiences emotion he experiences grief he can he can be grieved he can be quenched so so he experiences emotions I I, I want to say this he experiences sadness that's what being grieved is he can be grieved you know you know what grieves him the thing that grieves him the most is when I don't allow him to give me love for you when I don't allow his love in me to spill out to you and, and vice versa and you to me. When, his, when, when children of God have broken relationships and don't honor each other and treat each other with respect by having the Holy Spirit flow through them to bless the other, that grieves him. He's saddened by that. He's saddened by that. When I say no to him, no, I, I don't want more of you. And then I go off and, and, I, and I just make a mess of things. He's not angry, he's grieved, he's sad. How many parents here have teenage kids or kids who were teenagers? I can tell you, you, you I I wasn't ever angry at my kids when they were going through tough times, but I was sad. I mean, maybe a few times I was angry at them, especially Wilson. Yeah. No, no, really truthfully, it was was mostly grief and sadness when they're going through tough times or they're making stupid decisions or... Or whatever they're doing. That's how the Holy Spirit is. But he has emotions. We need to recognize that. Because if we don't recognize him as a real person, then we're only going to look at him as a source of power. That's all we're going to do. We're just going to think, well, I need power, so Holy Spirit, come. Or I I need to feel better, so Holy Spirit, come. We're we're not going to view him as a person that we can actually know and walk with and relate to and love. And you know, the Bible says he can be quenched. It says, don't, 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 don't despise prophetic words and thus quench the Holy Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5. When we, when we despise prophecy, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, then we're despising the Holy Spirit. And you know what the Holy Spirit does when we say no to him? If he was just a power force, then it would be like hurricane waves coming on the beach. Nothing's going to stop them. Man, you try to resist and you put up a little wall. If there's really a hurricane type thing, it's just going to blow your wall down. It's going to batter your wall down. But because he's like Jesus, when we resist him, you know, he, he, just, he just backs off. He says, okay, okay, when you're ready. I want you to be ready. Come on, let's get you ready. And he woos us and he works to try to help us get ready. But we have to come to the point that we say, yes, 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 I want more relationship with you. I want deep, deeper relationship with you, Holy Spirit. And the fact that he's a person enables me to connect with him heart to heart and understanding that he has a will, he speaks, he's, he, he has emotions is just vital to all of this. So the question comes then: How do you experience the Holy Spirit? How's that happen? Uh, well, how do you develop relationship with Him? And it's through experience. How do you develop a relationship with anybody? Well, it's through experience: sharing your heart with them, understanding their heart. Uh, m- most of the time, it's doing something together. Lori and I got to know each other writing letters, and that was wonderful. We were just opening our hearts up to each other and sharing with each other through letters that we wrote to each other uh, for several months. But we had to come into each other's presence. We had to have mutual experiences in order to really get to know each other. And like the first date we ever had was canoeing down the Little Miami River with a group of Young Life uh, students. Lori was a Young Life leader. And so we got to know each other in in that experience, and that adventure. And, And so it's experiencing things with the Holy Spirit that enable us to know him better. And when we do that, then this this deeper relationship and this deeper filling of his presence. Now, we see in the Bible the words baptism and filled are two key words that relate to the Holy Spirit and his ministry in our lives. In Acts one, four and five, we see one of those words used, baptism. And here's this. This is before Jesus went uh, back to heaven. And listen to what it says. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Just stop right there, okay? He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. It was a command. He didn't say, hey guys, listen. If I had my way, you all stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. He didn't say, look guys, just, I'm just saying, you ought to stay. Good advice I'm giving you right now. No. He issued a command. Stay in Jerusalem. And Why? Well, he said, stay in Jerusalem, wait for the, what the father had promised, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but John the Baptist, but you will be baptized with the Holy spirit. Not many days from now. Now, this whole idea of what the Father promised, I like the the phrase, the promise of the Father, because in the Old Testament, God the Father promised through the prophets that there was coming a day when he would pour his Spirit out on all of us, and that the Holy Spirit would not just be on us, but he would be in us, that he would give us new hearts. That's the promise of the Father. That the Holy Spirit, as the gift of God, is going to come on us, and he's going to change our hearts, and he's going to be in us, and he's going to fill us and give us life. Now, have you ever said to another person, you're a gift to me? Okay, my wife, you are a gift to me. You are a gift to my life. And Lori and I would both turn to Wilson and say, you're a gift. And he would turn to his wife and and his child and say, you're gifts to me. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He's a gift from God the Father, the best gift you could ever get. But when we look at this, it says you're going to be baptized. Now, baptized uh, refers to being immersed in something. It's a process that was used to tan leather. Uh, But today, uh, Sarah brought this out as an illustration. I think the the best illustration of what baptizing is is pickling. You take a cucumber and you put it in the right juices and pickling fluids, and you let it sit there until the pickling totally permeates the cucumber, and it's no longer a cucumber then. It is a what? It's a pickle because it was baptized in whatever they baptize it in to make it into a pickle. And so baptism is, refers to you and me being put in the Holy Spirit and allowing him just to soak right through us. And, and the effect is change. We're different. Now, it goes on, and, and we see the description of, of the fulfillment of this promise that Jesus gave. Acts 2, 2 through 4 says, uh, Suddenly, sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. All right, so they're all in this room. They've obeyed Jesus, okay? They stayed. And they stay day after, day after day after day after day after day after day after day. And then finally, on this one day, they're all there praying. And they hear this rushing sound of wind through the room. And then they see tongues of fire. Like we like, like, you know what a tongue of fire is. You've seen a fire. And a tongue of fire is just a wisp, uh, the, the, the fire itself. Fire comes down and rests on each one of them. Now, that fire represents something from the Old Testament. It represents part of that promise of the Father because fire was what God used often in the Old Testament to represent his presence. Moses, when God spoke to him about releasing the Hebrews, uh, delivering the Hebrews from Egypt, what did, how, did, how did God appear to Moses? In a burning bush, right? Fire, okay, a burning bush that wouldn't burn up. So an unusual fire, And when God led them through the wilderness, by day it was a cloud, by night it was a pillar of what? It was a pillar of fire. And when they finally built the tabernacle and the presence of God manifested and revealed himself and in the Holy of Holies, which was the innermost place of the tabernacle and ultimately the temple when they built it, a permanent tabernacle, the temple, that was this one place where only the high priest could go, and he could only go there once a year, but God's presence was there. If, if, you, if you were able to see into that, you would have seen like the same thing Moses saw, except without the bush, okay? You would have seen that fire just hovering there, this presence of God. So when Jesus died on the cross, this amazing thing happened. There, there, was, a, there was a big curtain that separated the main part of the temple from the Holy of Holies, and that curtain, which was a huge, heavy curtain, was ripped in two and thrown aside. And, and so, so often what we like to think of is, oh, well, that means we all get to go into God's presence. But you know what I think was really happening? It wasn't we get to go in. It was God gets to come out. It was releasing God into the world. It was because sin had been paid for. It was because redemption had occurred. It was because the kingdom of God was being reestablished on this planet. When that curtain was torn in two, the Holy Spirit flooded out of there. He came out. And now he is here everywhere on the planet. He is here everywhere to touch people's lives and to fill them. Now, theological aside, of course, God is everywhere present all at once. We're talking about his manifestation of his presence. And when we we talk about him manifesting his presence, we're talking about him impacting human beings with his presence. And so what was restricted in the Old Testament is now released to the whole world. And so the Holy Spirit now comes as tongues of fire. That fire was in the, that holy place. Now it's let out. It's out. And he's coming and he's resting on these people. He's resting on these believers. And stuff happens. Stuff happened when when he came and he rested on them. All this stuff happened. But... Um, Before we look at what happened, uh, notice this. It doesn't say they were all baptized with the Spirit, does it? It says they were all filled with the Spirit. But Jesus said earlier, stay, you're going to be baptized with the Spirit. And now it says, no, they were filled with the Spirit. And some people might try to make these sharp distinctions between the two. Um, I'm content just to say you're describing an experience. It's tough to describe an experience. It's tough to come up with words that are going to fully give a description and and the full heart of an experience like this. So the one case he says baptism, if we have to separate the words, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to say baptism refers to the process. It's like immersing and filling refers to the effect, the impact, the fruit that comes out of the person's life. The changes that take place. And so it describes the effect. But there's a little bit of a problem with the idea of filled, I think, in our culture. Because if you, say, if you talk to me about filled, you know what my mind goes to? Gas, well, eating could be. But I'm thinking of a gas tank. And, and I'm thinking of how much gas do we have? Well, we have half a tank. Okay, we're half full. We have a quarter of a tank. All right, we're quarter full. Or we're empty. We think in terms of quantity. Do I have, am I, am I filled up or am I only half full? How much of the Holy Spirit do I have? Oh, I've got about, I've got an arm and a leg. <laughs> you know, I'm half full. Oh, well, boy, you better get the torso. I mean, it, and so what that does is it creates the idea of haves and have-nots. And the thing is you can't have just part of a person. You, you, can't, you can't have just part... He's a person. And so when you accepted Jesus, he not only gave you a new heart, but he came to live inside you. And we know that because Romans 8, 9 says, if anyone doesn't have the spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. So the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. But the thing is, does... does uh, you know, it, it, it is... What, what level of relationship do I have with him? You see, it's possible for me to have a neighbor that I live just a few feet from and not really have relationship with him. It's possible to live in the same house with someone and not really have relationship with them or even to sleep in the same bed and not really have relationship because it's this entering into relationship. It is getting to know him. It is not so much how much of him do I have? It is this. It is how much of me does he have? Okay, It is me saying, I want you in every part of my life. I, 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 want, I want you to not only have access, but I want you to have lordship in every area of my life, in my relationships, in my entertainment, in my work, in my family, in my money. I want you to have every area of me. That's what filling is. And 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 there are these moments where we have these breakthrough moments where, it, it, where we begin to experience Him, and 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 that's that that's where this filling takes place where these new areas of my life are coming under His lordship. Now, I remember the first time Lori and I held hands. Uh, it was. Uh, I already told you we had written for several months, and then I, we came down. The first weekend I came to Cincinnati, I was living in Akron. And I stayed with Lori's parents, but we spent most of the time together. And the last day, we were going for a walk. She was showing me this old church over in Indian Hill that had meant a lot to her and her family. And we're walking through the graveyard, and I reached out and I took her hand. i got to tell you, that was one of the most exciting moments of my life. Okay? <laughs> You'd say it wasn't much. If you'd been looking on, you would have said, not much. But you wouldn't know what was happening inside of me. And the first time I kissed her, I, I won't even go into that, okay? That's, yeah, yeah. Or she kissed me. We kissed each other. How's that? Well, what I'm saying is, it's the, the, you, you enter into relationship, and you have, you have moments that are dramatic and powerful, and, and it might not even look like it is to other people, but it's dramatic and powerful to you. But we all need those moments. We need them. The, 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 when, when we look at the book of Acts, it happens several times in the book of Acts, this whole thing of this baptism, this filling, this dramatic moment where the Holy Spirit comes on a group. In one place it says the Holy Spirit came on them. In another place it says that the whole, they received the Holy Spirit... And another time it says the Holy Spirit fell on them. And I like that one fell on them because I got a new insight into it this week. It's the same thing that happens if you haven't seen one of your kids for a year and they come and they, and, you, and you're waiting and you're waiting and you see them walking, they get out of the car and they're walking up to the front. And what do you do? You run to them and you fall on them. You wrap your arms around them in joy. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for each one of us. Because he desires us. He loves us. He has the f- love of the Father in his heart. And he wants to pour that love out on us. Do you know the most common thing I have heard from people who were experiencing an experience like they did in Acts is love. I've heard them say, I felt so loved. I just felt God's love just pouring. Out. I, I felt like liquid love was just being poured over every cell in my body. It was just, it's love. He wants to love you. And believe me. He's a person, and, and he, wants, he wants you to love him. It gives him joy when you love him. It grieves his heart when we don't. Now, I'm not trying to put guilt on anyone when I say that. We don't want to look at it that way at all. But, but it's we want to love him. I just want you to know that it's a love relationship that we can have with the Holy Spirit. And, and the things that happened here, it says tongues. And some of us, when you hear that, you might think, oh, boy, now, now we're going overboard. This tongues thing is crazy. I mean, how many of us, if I asked, how many people would say, Yeah, I'm a little bit afraid of tongues. I'm afraid of tongues. Well, let me ask you this where's fear come from? God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. Did you know that? The Bible says that. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And you know where fear comes from? The enemy. So if I'm afraid of tongues, it's not because God wants me to be afraid of tongues. It's because I'm misunderstanding some stuff and I'm allowing the enemy to feed fear into my mind. And so I just want to say, we're going to preach on tongues here probably in about six weeks. We're going to have a whole message on it. If you're afraid of tongues, just start opening up right now and saying, God, I don't want to be afraid of anything. You know what, folks? It's in the Bible. It is. There were things I, I, for 15 years, I preached against all of this. I had every argument down for why you should not seek experience, why experience was wrong, why tongues was not of God anymore. And then, you know what happened? Through open-heartedness and challenge that people gave me and, and restudying stuff, I finally concluded there is no biblical evidence to say that what happened in the book of Acts stopped happening. There's nothing in the Bible that will say the gift of tongues has ended. There's nothing in the Bible that would say we should not have an experience with the Holy Spirit. Nothing. And so when I saw that, I thought, well, hey, I want to be biblical. And so uh, that's all I've ever wanted. I mean, before, I, I'd spend 25, 30 hours a week studying. That's how bad I wanted to be biblical. Just study all the time. So when I saw this was, oh, well, Okay if the gifts if the bible doesn't say the gifts of the spirit and holy spirit is dead today then that means he might be working today and these gifts might be alive yes. and whatever the cost i got to find that out yes. that, that was my my and my wife's approach we both said okay whatever the cost we got to find out what this means so that's when we resigned our church and moved to another city and, and just pursuing the Holy Spirit's presence, wanting to experience more of him, wanting to know what is this and is it real? And we find out that it is real and that it's for all of us. And do you know that the apostle Peter, he said that the Holy Spirit was for everyone who will believe and for those who are far off, those who are far off. Well, I want to tell you I'm far off Okay, I'm 2,000 years removed from that story and probably ten or 12,000 miles. That's far off. The Holy Spirit is for me. He is for you. The gifts of the Spirit are for every one of us. He wants to pour out the love of the Father into our lives. And the Bible says that it's the Holy Spirit who gushes out the love of the Father into our hearts in Romans five five, Just like a fire hydrant being opened up. He, he wants to gush out with the love of God into our hearts and into our lives. So if you've received Jesus, today is an invitation just to step more into relationship with the Holy Spirit who is just like Jesus and who reveals more of Jesus to us. So if you say, I just want to know Jesus, I want to know more of Jesus. And you know, some people will say, well, look, I just want to be a regular Christian. I'm just going to be a regular Christian. I don't need all this Holy Spirit stuff. I'm just going to love Jesus. You can't love Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You can't see Jesus without the Holy Spirit. And so if you want to be that kind of Christian, you have to, you have to open up your heart to relationship with the Holy Spirit because he's going to pour God's love out on you and he's going to pour the God's love out on you not only for you to experience God's love, but for you to love Jesus too. So, we're going to watch a short video before uh, we, we continue with the service here. And um, yeah, this is a great story. It's a young guy named Kundai. He's from Zimbabwe. And Wilson, Luke, Sanjay, and I know his brother, Taku, because Taku is part of the church plant in Zimbabwe that we've been associated with as a church. And, and so, um, Kundai came over here to study at the University of Illinois, and he is part of. Uh, the Champagne Vineyard, which is the same one that um, that um, the conference is at. The same one Lori and I came from uh, in years ago. And the same one Clay Harrington is from. Clay, the guy that's going to speak here on June, uh, the weekend of June uh, 10th and 11th. So let's watch this video, okay?
1: You know, growing up in a Methodist home in Zimbabwe, the Lord's been very patient with me to experience and to now embrace the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit in my daily life. Having grown up in a community which seemed to love Jesus, love the Father, but for lack of a better word, ignore the Holy Spirit, I was very hesitant to enter fellowship with Holy Spirit. Actually, on my very first visit to the Vineyard in August of 2013, I almost never came back After Happy, the senior pastor, came came back on stage and shared the words of knowledge the prayer team had before service. That was super freaky for me then. I'll describe my relationship with the Spirit as one of a lover, patiently wooing, yet intensely pursuing me. For my first few weeks here in the U.S., I considered having a relationship with the Holy Spirit as being good, but unnecessary for a believer. That all quickly changed the day I met Tim Bresik, who was the college pastor at that time. I had never seen anyone walk in so much love, power, and authority. It was contagious, and after just a few weeks of being around him, I was convinced. If I wanted to be a believer that would leave a kingdom imprint on this world, that meant I needed to have what Tim had. I needed to get to know the Holy Spirit myself about five weeks later, Tim prayed for me during an extended time of worship. I began to laugh hysterically and felt chills go down my back. I got up, danced and shouted. That day, I believe a worshiper in spirit and truth was born. You know, the
0: laughter, that's joy. Don't you want joy? I I want God's love and I want his joy both in my heart and life. And um, I, I just encourage you to do the same thing couldn't, couldn't I did. You know, move past the fears, move past the apprehensions and, and let the hunger to know God take over and just say, God, whatever the cost, uh, it, it, whatever, whatever, I need to know you better. Holy Spirit, I want a relationship with you that is deep. So we're going to, I'm, I'm going to pray right now. Then we're going to. Go into our offering, and we'll be going into worship in a few minutes. But uh, Father God, thank you. Thank you that in your plan of incredible wisdom, you sent Jesus to die for us and to uh, to, to give us an example of what a, a spirit-filled human being looks like. And then Jesus came back. You, you resurrected him. He came back to you at the right hand of, of God. Thank you that uh, you both sent the Holy Spirit to us today to open our minds to see you more fully, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here. Thank you. Fill us with your presence today. Just come today and for people all over this room, rest on them in a new way. Let them experience the sweetness of your presence, the joy of your presence, just the wonder of your presence. We open our hearts to you, Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, we're going to receive our offering right now, so the baskets are there at the far left of your row. If you'd reach down and grab that, and then pass it down to the ushers, they'll be walking by to pick them up in just a moment. I I don't know if you know this or not, but... um, On any given Sunday in a church of our size, you will have approximately two-thirds of your people present. And so if you want everybody in the church to hear something, you really have to say it three weeks in a row, all right? (laughs) So if you were here last week, you heard some of what I'm about to say right now. But I want all of us, I want to make sure we all hear it, and and we're all really thinking through this and and praying for God's, God's direction in it. But um, the giving uh, has been good. And I just thank you for that. I just say that's so awesome. Keep it up, okay? Keep it up. Every one of us, giving sacrificially is what is the really one of the engines for this place to move ahead. It's just Frankly, it takes money. You know that. But uh, you're giving well. And um, we're thankful for that. But here's what happens. With the giving... It starts off in January like this, and then it goes February, March, April, go up a little, and then it comes down just a little bit in May, and then you know what happens in June? This is what happens. Boom. It, goes, it just drops. Then you have June, July, and August, And then it starts to come back up in September or better in October. And then usually end on a high point at the end of the year. Now, I'm asking this question. What if everybody who gave in March gave in June, July, and August the same way? What if whether I'm on vacation and halfway across the country or halfway across the world, what if I said, I don't give because I have a butt in the seats and I'm paying for my seat, and I'm not there that week, so I don't need to give. I give because this is my church. And this is my family. And the kingdom of God's advancing here. And I want it to continue to advance here. And what if we all did whatever we have to do just to, to, to keep giving consistently throughout the summer? I'll tell you what that'll do. That'll launch us ahead. It'll launch this thing ahead. And, and we'll be able to to break into new areas of ministry. Now, you know what else it'll do? It'll bless you like crazy. It'll bless your life like crazy because you're really saying, Jesus, Holy Spirit, right here, you're Lord in the summer just as you are in January, February, or March, or whatever month it might be. So I I, I lay that out there uh, just as a kind of a heart-to-heart Pastoral word, okay. So I hope you can just receive that, and uh, we're going to worship here in a moment. But we're going to get back into this this flow of Holy Spirit thinking. Uh, Wilson's going to come up and share something with us. Then we're going to go into worship.
2: Hey guys, something uh, Van said, something my dad said, that really popped in my mind in a fresh way today. Is that the Holy Spirit's a person? And that if the Holy Spirit's a person, that means we can grieve Him and we can actually push Him away. You know, like any kind person that really loves you, if you push them away, they'll respect that. You know, like if if someone that you love, you say, hey, I need space, whether you know it or not, they'll step back. And the same is true with the Holy Spirit. When we push Him away or when we say no to Him, He's going to give us space. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want space between me and the Holy Spirit. I always want him to be right there challenging me and loving me and pushing me forward. And this isn't to say the Holy Spirit leaves us, but what I'm getting at is, has there ever been a time where you were in here on a Sunday morning and you just thought, man, I would love to raise my hands right now in worship, or I would love to sing right now, or I really want to go down front and do it, but you didn't do it. What you were doing in that moment was pushing the Holy Spirit away. That's what was happening. And again, there's no guilt or condemnation in this, but I don't want to do that. I've done that, okay? I'm not just saying it's you guys. It's, I've done that before. And what I want to do right now is just offer a chance for us all just to say sorry to the Holy Spirit together. Just say, Holy Spirit, I don't want to grieve you. I don't want to push you away. Next, you know, homeless person I see and I feel like you say, "Give, give them a $20 bill or give them the change in your pocket and I just walk by. No, next time I want to be sensitive to you. I want to give that to them. Next person you're telling me to uh, forgive or encourage, I want to do that right away. So if you if that's your heart, if that's your prayer, um, just put your hand on your heart with me really quick. I'm just going to pray for us. Actually, everybody, just let's just stand because we're about to worship. But um, yeah, just put your hand on your heart and Holy Spirit, we don't want to grieve you. We don't ever want to say no to you. Thank you that nothing we ever do makes you say no to us. Thank you that you're always saying yes to us, more of your love, more of you, God. And right now, I just say, I'm sorry for any time I've pushed you away, any time I've hardened my heart or closed my ears to your voice. And right now, in Jesus' name, I just welcome you, Holy Spirit. Everyone that has just said sorry to you is just, you just marked yourself for an encounter with the Holy Spirit this morning. And in fact, if you just prayed with me, if you just said that, just put your hands down to your sides with your palms open, just as a sign of surrender to God right now in worship. I feel it in my bones, you're about to move. About to ride in You said that you would pour your spirit out. You said that you would fall in sons and daughters. Listen that again. That again. I feel it in my bones are about to move yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel it in the wind, you're about to ride in right now. You said that you would pour spirit out
1: you said that you would-
0: Spirit, show us more of Jesus and we can love the Father more and then receive more of you, just walk in more of you. This is how Peter felt when up on the Mount of Transfiguration, he said, let's just stay here. let's just not go let's not leave yeah so uh, God's ministering to people um, and I I think there's just this open relationship this open invitation for relationship with the Holy Spirit and and I got that word from one of our prophetic folks here that I really trust that, that he's a safe bet the Holy Spirit you don't have to be afraid of him But you just say, Holy Spirit, come, pour out the love of the Father in my heart and life. Pour out your joy. Just tell him that right now. Come, Holy Spirit, come, come. Show us how to walk with you, Holy Spirit. We know how to walk with, or we can at least envision walking with Jesus. Holy Spirit, give us revelation to know how to walk with you. I think the lord wants to minister to mental health today you know the holy spirit heals that he brings love and joy and frees people from mental health issues he wants to minister that today family issues you know you came here thinking the other person was the problem let's just say there's not a problem let's, let's just say the solution is allow the holy spirit to pour love into you okay it's into you So there's going to be healing for family uh, situations today as well. Physical uh, healing, uh, pain. Uh, First service, I said this, I think it's true. We want to go after big stuff. We want to go after cancer. We want to go after blindness. We want to go after broken bones that didn't heal right so come today anything, anything like that come and, and, then, and then just pain too God cares about your pain if you have physical pain come there's, there's a, a word from someone I trust about foot pain and shoulder pain I believe God wants to release healing in those areas so uh, as hard as this is we're going to have to transition into the prayer team coming to the front and um, and come up okay if I were you I'd be making my way up right now so I could be first in line Come on up and receive prayer, okay? If you have kids, uh, one of if, if there are two of you here with the kids, one of you really should go back and get them because we're really over today. But Holy Spirit, uh, fill us. Give us grace to walk with you in relationship with you this week. Pour out your love and your joy through us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Great to see you. We'll see you next week.